0: What up, people? Big Mail here. Who is Roy Gray? You know, it's kind of funny. Everybody talk about race relations, and that's been the big topic of these last few elections. You know, everybody asking all these same questions. What has Obama done for the black community? What has Trump done for the black community? Who? What is Biden going to do for the black community? Well, I've been saying it before, and I'm going to say it again because I think it bears repeating. The truth of the matter is, the black community is not going to change until the black community decides it wants to change. It doesn't matter who sits in the White House. It doesn't matter who the governors are. It doesn't matter who the the mayors are. It doesn't matter who's in charge and who's in authority. The fact of it is, until black people decide, hey, it's en- enough is enough, it's time to change this stuff, Nothing's going to change until black people say, hey, we got to fix this. We got to make the changes. We got to do what is right to make it work. Well, you know, it seems like everybody got their little two cents to decide on this. And the truth of the matter is, um, you know, there's going to be some black people that think they got the answers. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of them don't have answers either. Case in point, I'm going to play a clip from talk show host and former presidential nominee, Larry Elder. Now, Larry Elder has a well-known, he's a conservative Republican who, you know, he thinks on the vein of Trump. And in fact, Donald Trump approved, like Larry Elder, you know, because, you know, he speaks the language that, that Trump speaks. But I'm going to play a clip where he talks about, how to Improve Race Relations in the Black Community. Now, this is a clip, and I'm just going to play it first. Now, you know how I do. I'm going to play it at first. Then I'm going to break it down and see where if there's some truth to it or whether I could just literally destroy it from within like I always do. But, I mean, if there's some real reality to it, then I have no problem admitting that the man is absolutely right. And that there is some truth to it. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got no problem with that. So, um, you know, anyway, i am got the clip here. And I'm going to get it prepared. And I'm going to let you hear it. And tell you what you think of it. You know, so let me make sure. Uh, I addressed that in the video. But anyway, I had to play a little of it just to make sure that I'm on the right page. But anyway, here is Mr. Larry Elder, ladies and gentlemen. Morning, Road Rages. You know, when it comes to race relations, it's always, what can white people do to improve race relations? Few people ask, what can black people do? I'll tell you, there are two things black people can do to improve race relations. Number one, when interacting with the police, when stopped by the police, comply, you will not die. Number two, if you are a customer at a restaurant and you're black, studies show that black people do not leave a tip between 15 and 20%. Whether it's because they don't know or whether it's because they know and don't care, uh, I address that in the video about black people being lousy tippers, which is linked in Instagram and linked on Twitter. So check it out. Improved race relations, tip better. It forms impressions. It forms stereotypes when you don't. Out. Okay. Let me break this down a little bit because here's what this... I'm just going to go on and say it. Buffoon said, okay, he said, we talked about how, you know, what can white people do to to improve race relations? He does, nobody asked what can black people do to improve race relations? I think it's a dual, it's a dual-led sword because there's a part that black people play in it and there's a part that white people play in it. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But let me talk about his statement. He said the first thing we need to do, he says, when stopped by the police, comply and you will not die. Uh, Mr. Elder, with all due respect, is it really that simple? <laughs> is it, I mean, seriously, is it really that simple? Just comply. Just do what they tell you to do, and you'll make it, and you'll get to go home. Well, if that was the case, then what happened to Philando Castile, Mr. Elder? What happened to Terrence Crutcher? What happened to, uh, um... Eric Garner, Sean Bell, Tamir Rice. What happened to those guys? Oh, they just happen to be the exception and not the rule? Truth of the matter is, that is probably the most asinine statement that I've ever heard of in all the days of my life. Not only does it just enforce a stereotype of white supremacy, it just proves you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Because here's the fact of the matter. Just to make a stupid, simple statement like comply and don't die... Totally is it puts you in total denial of the fact that there is an element within law enforcement that believes that simply because they have a gun and a badge and a stick and some mace and they have the full backing of the city, state or federal government behind them, that they get the power. They have the power to play God with people's lives. And it happens all the time. OK, here's a more. What about Ahmaud Arbery? Okay, the guys that that shot him weren't no certified police officers, you know. And you know there are people out there that think that just because they are of a certain color, of a certain race, or whatever, they believe that they're the ones in the authority and they have the power to do whatever they want to do to whoever they choose to do so. Now, I'm not going to spit out any names, but George Zimmerman, anyway. Here's the fact of the matter is, it's not that simple, Mr. Elder. Comply and Don't Die totally ignores the fact of this element of policing that treats black and brown and women, black people, brown people, and women like animals or objects to be used and abused. Okay? So... Is there something that we can do to help stem the tide of police brutality? Absolutely. But it's not as simple as comply and don't die. Okay. the re- That would only work in a utopian world. This is not utopia. The real world is you got renegade police officers and renegade wannabe police officers. Again, George Zimmerman. Okay. Of the McDaniel family. OK, we I could go on and on and on with names all day long, but that's not the point. The thing is, there is an element of quote unquote policing where you have people who think with that mentality. And the sad part is that they're taught within law enforcement to treat black and brown people that way. It's taught in the law enforcement. It wouldn't be pervasive in law enforcement if it wasn't not only taught in the academies, but encouraged by up by higher ups. So you have a whole cycle of this going on. And for you to make a statement like that puts you in total denial of the truth. Mr. Elder. Is there something that we as black folks can do to stem the tide of, you know, police brutality and renegade cops? Oh yeah. There's plenty we can do. Okay. So I'm not gonna sit here and say that we're totally helpless to the situation. There is things we can do, and I—I I, I mean, the simplest thing that we can do, first of all, number one. Okay, and I'm just gonna give you some thoughts of my, my thoughts on it. First thing I think that we as black and brown people can do to help eliminate the police brutality, eliminate the beatings, the hangings, the raping, the shooting the assaults, all of that. One thing, when you get pulled over by the police, now I'm talking to my black people, my brown people, I'm talking to my women. When or if you get pulled over by a police officer, what you want to do is keep the situation diffused. And the best way to do that, number one, is to have all your paperwork visible to the Not only to yourself, but visible to that officer. That means you need to have your driver's license or your ID with you. You need to have your insurance. You need to have your registration and any other documents that you may need within plain sight where that officer can see. That's the stuff right there. You know, it's not best to do it in the glove compartment because again, Philando Castile is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. He complied with the officer, told him to reach in the glove compartment. He bust caps in him, right in front of his wife and daughter. So to prevent that, you make sure you have that stuff right there in plain sight where any officers that happen to be at that car can see, this is your paperwork. You know, you have an overhead visor. you put that stuff in the overhead as Soon as you pull over to the side, you flip that sucker down, they can see you got a driver's license. They see you can have your ID. They see you have your registration papers. They see that you have your insurance in plain view so that your hands can be visible for them to see so that that won't give them any reason to reach for their for service revolver. If you are a concealed carry holder, you make sure that's there too, okay? Have the paperwork you need in plain sight for them. When they, when they pull you over, you, the first thing you need to think about when you pull to the side of the road, you flip that sucker down so that they can see it and know that all your information is right there where they can easily get it themselves or they'll know if you reach it, they know that's what you're reaching for. Okay. So that's the first thing. Have your paperwork in place for them to see. Number two thing and I think this is the biggest thing we need to understand. When you're dealing with law enforcement, the number two thing you need, and I should have put it as the number one thing, but again, there's a reason for it. The number two thing, be honest. Okay? Let's just, just be realistic. You know, if you watch enough cops, if you watch enough live PD before they took it off the air, you know, if you lie to the police, they're going to bust you. I promise you. If you lie to the cops, they got reason to arrest you. They got you. If you are honest with them, chances are they may cut you some slack, depending on the situation. So when they ask you, "Do you have drugs in the car?" If you know you got weed in that car, tell them, "Yes, I got weed in the car." Okay. Don't sit there and say, "Oh no, I don't. I don't smoke no weed. I'm a Christian man. I'm a church bearing man." Knowing good and well, you smoking like like Big Chief. Tell them the truth. Tell them you got the weed in the car. Tell them you smoked a couple of blunts, you know, if you have to. You know, you got weapons in the car, if you, especially for all my concealed carry holders. If you are a concealed carry holder and they ask you, do you have a weapon in the car? You tell them, yes, I have a weapon in the car. You tell them what kind of weapon it is and you tell them where it's at. Let them get it. And you watch them get it. Don't you reach for it. That's again, Philando Castile. You let that officer officers know. I do have a weapon in the car. I'm going to tell you where it is. You can get it if you wish to. Now, if they tell you to get it, do it carefully, do it slowly. So it won't be any accusation of them. Give them any reason to shoot you. Okay. If you don't, if you, if you, Got warrant, they ask if you got warrants, you tell them, yes, sir. I have a warrant. I'm trying to take care of it. Things happen. Some a lot of times they'll let you take care of it, depending on the, the situation. But don't say that you ain't got no warrants for your arrest, and you know you got a ton of warrants. You got tickets you ain't paid for. You got insurance violations you ain't paid for. You ain't got no license, let them know you ain't got no license. You ain't got no registration, tell them you ain't got no registration. I say all that to say this. And I know some of you, well, why would you want me to snitch on myself? It ain't snitching on yourself. Again, and I'm going to say this quite carefully. There are two ways to put out a fire. You can use gasoline or you can use water. One will accelerate the fire. The other puts it out. In a situation like this where it's just you and that officer or officers You know, remember, that officer's got the full backing of the law to detain you if they choose to. They have the full backing of the law. And if you go out there and you line these people and they find this stuff out, they got every reason to put you in cuffs and put you in a squad car. So the, the truth will set you free in, plenty, in many cases. I'm not saying in every case, but in many cases, if you let them know and you are honest with them officers, Yes, yes, sir. I don't. I have a warrant for my arrest. I've been trying to take care of it. I have to work. I work. I'm trying to keep a roof over my kid's head, all that stuff. OK, yes, I got a weapon. I know I'm not supposed to have a gun. I'm a, I'm, I'm a felon in commission of a weapon, but sir. People are after me. You let them know the situation. You tell them the truth. You be honest with them. And chances are the many some cops, I'm not saying every cop will do it. You got some idiots out there with a badge. You have to accept that there are some. But if you're telling them the truth and you're honest with them, you diffuse the situation a lot easier than you sitting there lying to them and trying to make up stuff. Because trust me, they got got, uh, computers. They got walkie-talkies. They got cell phones. And they can check anything you tell them. Anything you say, they could use against you if they choose to. So the more honest you are, the safer you are. Which brings me to third thing. Number three, and again, I should have put this in number one. But again, there's a reason why I put it in the order that it's in. Okay, so the first thing I said, remember, make sure you have all your paperwork visible for them to see. Number two, be honest with the officers. And number three, remain calm. Remain calm. Again, you could put out a fire with gasoline or you could put out a fire with water. Only one will put the fire out completely. You come up, that officer coming in and you up there cussing and fussing and acting a fool. Guess what's going to happen and cop and attitude. I guarantee you, they're going to have all the fire they need to put you in handcuffs, beat or beat you before they put you in handcuffs. That's why a cool head works wonders. Cool heads prevail, you know. And if you have one of them type of officers that just had a bad day, they just want to arrest somebody, let me let you know something. There's something you need to understand. You do have the right to not say a word. If they ask questions, you don't have to say anything. You can let them know. I do not want to speak without an attorney present or a representative for me present. And you have the right under federal law to do that. That's a Miranda right. You have the right to have representation to help you. You do not have to incriminate yourself. You do not have the right to incriminate yourself. Okay, make let's make that clear. You know, it's a constitutional right that we all have. Number two, if you happen to be detained, the best thing for you to do, like I said, remain calm. Don't cop no attitude. Don't start cussing and fussing. Just remain calm. Use your rights that you have. You have the right to know who the officer is that is detaining you. What his, his Every officer has this, whether it's a state officer, a federal officer, or a, or a city officer. They have a badge number. They drive in a car. The car has a number. You have the right to know all of those things. And if they don't want to tell you those things, then you can use that against them but the point I'm trying to say is it's easier to be standing in front of a judge than to be in a funeral home. Okay. It's much, you know, it's a lot easier. You got a little bit more leeway. If you got, if you were in front of a judge, because you could discuss all this with your attorney and they can make, and they could do a whole lot more for you than if you sitting up there in a the graveyard or up in a hospital c- crippled. So again, have your paperwork visible where they can see you to, Be honest. Number three, remain calm. If you do those things, then chances are that any situation that you can find yourself in with law enforcement will be easily diffused. And if you up there acting a fool, acting ghetto, and you end up getting shot to death, okay. Second thing, we talked about black people not tipping. That ain't got a damn thing to do with race relations. Whether people tip or not is personal preference. That's, you know, nobody's, old. I, let me say this. I'm going to tell you, that's another asinine statement. The reason why I say it's another asinine statement is number one, I've worked in food service for over a quarter of a century. I've worked as a waiter. I have worked as a bar back. I've done all the stuff. And let me tell you something. Nobody is promised tips. Those who work in positions where tips are given, you're not guaranteed a tip. Okay. You know, and I've had I've had just as many white people I've had served good food and good service to white people, to Hispanic people, to Asian people. It ain't where one group of people tip you better than and tip you worse. It's all about service, it's all about personal, personal preference. I could have I've been in some situations where I've done I've been over backwards for them and they didn't leave me a thin not one dime. And I've been in some situations where I've bumbled and fumbled all over myself. And they still cook me up. It's personal preference. It has absolutely zero to do with race. I've had some black people tip me handsomely, I've had some white people shaft me. That has nothing to do with race, it's a stereotype. So why would you sit up there on your show? You're supposed to be intelligent, Mr. Elder, and perpetuate this lie, this stereotype that black people are lousy tippers. I've had been shattered by plenty of white people, plenty of black people, plenty of Hispanic people. I've been shattered equally with every race. It has nothing to that has nothing to do with race. You can give your best service and still not get a, the proper tip. Okay? That means that's just the nature of the business that it is. It's the nature of the beast of food service. If you are a waiter, if you are a waitress, if you are a bartender, a bar back, a casino worker, work as a vendor, that's the nature of the beast that it is. Not everybody's going to tip you, no matter how good of a service you do. You have to expect that. You have to accept that. If you got to have your way all the time, you can't be in food service. Because I guarantee you, in food service, you can do your very, very best and still not get what you deserve. I've done it for years. I know how it works. So, again, Mr. Elder, you just made an asinine statement that has absolutely nothing to do with the race relations talk. Being a tipping ain't got nothing to do with race relations. It has nothing to do with race. Tipping is personal preference. It has nothing to do with race. So if we're talking about race relations and we really want to improve race relations in this country, like I said earlier, it takes cooperation from both sides. It is not a one-sided thing. There are parts that black people can play to stem the tie. There are parts that white people can play to stem the tie but it takes cooperation from both sides, not just the white side and not just the black side. And I could spend all day talking about this because the truth of the matter is America desperately wants to heal from its past. But I've said this before and I'm going to say it again and I'm going to close with this if America is serious about stemming the tide of relations between its European citizens and its persons of color, the first thing that America must do is accept and acknowledge the fact that America has committed gross injustices against its black and brown and, and, and indigenous peoples. As long as you think everything's okay, that we just volunteered to come over here to serve y'all. As long as you try to doctor up the history books, as long as you try to doctor up certain things to try to make you look good, they will never be All you doing is pouring salt on the wound. If you're serious about uh, repairing the breach and righting the wrongs of history, you have to accept the fact that they happened. They happened. Slavery happened. Jim Crow happened. Segregation happened happened lynchings rapes beatings castrations police brutality redlining all of that happened you have to accept the fact that these are the things that america has done it's not about reparations that's a different thing it's about recognition it's about acknowledgement the first step in alcoholics anonymous the first thing you gotta do is you gotta accept that you are powerless over alcohol. In this case, America is powerless over racism. They can't fix it. They I don't care how many laws you put on the books on the city level, the federal level, the state level, any level. Racism is not a law issue. It's a heart issue. This is what I've been saying over and over and over again. And you cannot fix heart issues with laws. I don't care how many laws you put on the books. You cannot fix heart issues with laws. You can only fix heart issues by dealing with the heart. And until America is ready to accept the fact and acknowledge what happened to its African citizens, what happened to the the American Indians, what happened to Hispanic Americans, until it's ready to acknowledge that, they will never, ever, ever. Be healing in this country. You can forget about it. You will not. It will not happen. But again, there's more I could talk about this, and I do intend on talking about it at another time. I have not forgot about what we've learned from four years of Trump. But this is part of that. There's more to come. Believe me. I'm going to, to talk more about this in depth. But, for now, I just want you to think about it. There is a part that all of us can play to make America a great country again. There's a part that we as black folks must do. There's a part that white folks must do. We have to co-op it took It took us all to build America. If we're going to heal America's wounds, it's going to take all of us. No one group can fix it on its own. It was never meant to be fixed by just one group. There's a part that black people and brown people need to play. There is a role that white folks need to play. And when we work together and cooperate together, then we can truly make America great again. But anyway, that's my time. That's my two cents on it. Follow me on Instagram at a kid named Rugrat on Twitter at WhoIsRugrat. My website's coming up. I'm about to get it launched and on the way. It's going to be on. Y'all have a blessed night. Big Mel, who is Rugrat? I'm out.